This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, brother Michael? How you doing, man? My brother. Good to see you, man. You good? It's good to yeah. see you, Michael. It's good to be here. Yes, Say that again. It is good to yeah. be here. I know what you mean. Um, I know what you mean. We obviously we, say that a lot. You know, whenever you yeah. show up to a place, oh, it's good to be here. Good to see you. Good to be, good to be on brother from another, talking to my brother about the news of the day. But no, man, it's good to be here. It is good to be breathing. It's good to have another day above ground. Um, imagine, Michael Holly. Imagine if uh, you and I signed off from today's show, said, all right, man, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And God forbid you or I got a phone call the next morning saying that one of us had departed this life. I know. That's exactly, it's exactly what happened to our friend and brother Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports uh, yesterday uh, when he got the call that his colleague, his friend, uh, his fellow NFL reporter, senior NFL reporter at Yahoo, uh, his podcast partner, Therese Paler, had passed away at the age of 37. Um, I got the call from Charles yesterday morning, and I immediately knew something was wrong. I'm like, he, he couldn't get it out. He was calling to tell me, obviously, he wasn't going to be able to make his regular appearance on yesterday's show with us. Yeah. And when he started, when he called, I was like, Charles, you're scaring me. What's up, man? You okay? What's going on? And I was in shock and, and, and I was hurting for Charles. I didn't know Therese. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, I, I wish I did. Um, the last couple of, the last day or so, um, you know, last, just today, yesterday, last night, just the, 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 the tributes, the outpour and the love, like people yeah. love this cat. People love this yep. man. Uh, he was yep. an NFL reporter. He was a fiance. He was a Hall of Fame voter. Uh, he covered the Chiefs. He worked for Yahoo. He had his whole life and career ahead of him. And uh, he's, just, he's just another one uh, gone suddenly, gone too soon. We thought 2020 was bad. 2021 has shown no mercy. Uh, mm -hmm. Add him to Sekou Smith. Add him to, to Pedro Gomez. Uh, add, add him to Chris Wessling. It feels like every day, um, feels like every day we're doing this. Uh, obviously, the pandemic has taken a half a million of us, of, 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 and that's just in the United States. That's right. Um, and cost so many other countless livelihoods. But uh, you know, we say life's life's too short. Tomorrow's not promised. 37 years old. I'm 41. I'm 41. 37. Engaged. Had just bought a house. Uh, Charles was telling me how he was just finding his voice, Michael. And you know, we, you and I both know what that process is like. Yeah. Just finding his That's voice. Right. Just hitting his stride. 
just starting to come into his own professionally speaking more than anything man it's just it's incredible to to see um the love that that he inspired um we're definitely going to share a lot more of, of of what people have shared on social media but but definitely go ahead and uh, offer your thoughts before we start to kind yeah, of Mike, show we're, people some of the tributes. Yeah, we're on the same page. We're on the same page today, Mike. I, you, you, we haven't talked. We haven't talked. So you didn't know what I was thinking today. I didn't know what you were thinking. But that was uh, this this story about Therese, this unfortunate, this terrible news about Therese was on my mind last night, this morning. And it's just, it's Therese, as you said, 37 for Therese, 48 for Sekou Smith, 58 for Pedro Gomez. All people in our business, in our industry. And as we think about this pandemic and some of the, the mental toll that the pandemic has had on a, a lot of us, the mental and emotional toll, there's also been a physical toll. Not just in our business, but what we're feeling right now, I, I just I just wish we would all take this a little more seriously. I, I wish we could that the, the, what we're feeling right now as journalists is what people in 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 uh in several industries across the country, I know it's the world, but I'm gonna focus on the United States right now, across the country are feeling. There are people who are in the medical field and they've lost some of their own to this disease or they've lost either to this disease or they've lost some of their own during this pandemic. And it's all, and it's tough not to conflate it, isn't it? I mean, it's just all during, all during yeah, this whether, concentrated period. Whether it's period. directly connected or not. Yeah. Whether right. it's directly connected or not, it's just the, 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 the accumulation of, of, of all of this it. period. Uh, yeah. Seku was lost period. to COVID. Uh, Therese, Therese was not COVID related as far as I understand, but I hear exactly right. what you're saying, Michael. Just it, it all, it all, you know, Mike, yep. <clears throat> I hear a lot of people saying, I, and I understand, I probably have said it too. I don't want to say it anymore though. Uh, I hear people say, you know, when we get back to normal, when we get back to normal, when we get back to normal, we'll do the fill in the blank. When we get back to normal, we'll get together. We're going to have, we're going we're gonna to break bread together. We're going to travel. Uh, we're going to go for walks. We're going to go for maskless walks and just enjoy ourselves. But I, I don't want us to get back to normal. I don't want us to get back to normal because hmm. getting, like getting back to normal is, is to ignore, is to ignore each other. Getting back to normal is just to go straight ahead and, and not to take it all in, as you said, not to be thankful Say, for the days that we have. Say, I wish I, I had money. I wish I had money. Right. I, would, I would claim that word. That's a word, bro. That's a word right, right there, brother. Keep, I don't want to get back. I don't want to get back to normal. I want to take this time. Mm. I want to take this time mm. and just appreciate what we've learned. We've learned a lot uh, in this year. And we've learned a lot about those who have access and those who don't. We've learned a lot about how people respond to, to adversity. Some people during the pandemic who have had, who, who have great resources, they've just gone off. Hey, let me just go off somewhere where people aren't around. I'm going to live my life and I'm just going to run away. I'm going to live. I'm going to run away from this thing. I don't have to worry about it. I've got the resources to get everything I need delivered to me. 
Uh, I've got the resources to get more space. I don't have to live in the city. I don't have to have people around me. I can pay to have my kids, educate, whatever it is. You, you, we see that the, the pronounced have and have not culture, the inequality has jumped out across the board, socially, uh, medically. We've seen this. We've seen people uh, even uh, recently when the vaccine came, like we were all excited about the vaccine. Hey, the vaccine's here. What do we see during the vaccine times? Vaccine vultures. Injustice. People yeah. jumping the line. There was a story, Mike, yeah. in the New York Times. Vaccine deserts. Yeah. yeah. There was a story in the New York Times where a doctor, a doctor of the stars, uh, he's got a lot of clients in the, from the, uh, you know, in the Hamptons. So he's a, he's a star doctor. Vaccine came out. He got a lot of phone calls from people trying to pay their way to the front of the front of the line, so to speak. Hey, I know, I know you'll take care of me. These are people who are not, uh, they're people in their thirties and forties, uh, people who don't have any kind of, uh, uh pre-existing conditions. They just want to be, they want to get back to normal. They want their lives back. They want to throw their, their vast dinner parties and hang out on the beach and drink wine and all this stuff. Man, I don't want to get back to that. And you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm hurting. I'm just good. hurting. That's good. I didn't know Therese. Good, man. I didn't know him. Yeah. I wish I did. God, I wish I, I did. too. I do too. I want to now. I, and I, and I just think I hear people talk over and over all these people that I respect from, from Charles Robinson, uh, his tribute, um, Dan Wetzel, um, uh, Steve Weish. I mean, a lot of people who went to yeah. HU, HU with them along with, uh, uh, D Orlando Ledbetter and, Jim uh, and Jim yep. Trotter, Jim Trotter. Yep. I hear all these people talking about his work ethic and just how he wanted to be great. He wanted greatness and he was willing yeah. to pay the price. Uh, you know, Candace Buckner from the Washington post had a great tribute. They're uh, uh, very close friends. And she said when they were at the Kansas city star together, they were both on preps. You covered preps. I covered preps high schools for those mm-hmm. who don't know what that is. So covering high right. schools. Need, and she would complain need, about it. Yeah. She complained about it, but he just keep doing it. He he treat these high school uh, students like he was covering the pros, and, and whether it was volleyball or or football or baseball, he was just into it. He kept getting promotions. He was just into it. He was recognized mm. uh, by all these organizations that were not professional organizations. They just saw how he worked at it, and and I admire that. And I just want to say though. For young journalists, because I can see I can see us a little bit here, Mike. For young journalists who are chasing greatness, you've already you've already got a victory with your mindset. Your mindset, like in other words, greatness is not. You're not going to get to some. Point, uh, you're not going to get to some mountaintop and say, ha, I've achieved it. In, in some ways, chasing greatness is like chasing the horizon. You'll never quite feel like you're there. And I just want to. It's the pursuit. I know he, it's the pursuit. Yeah. I just, I just want to help somebody in that do take some time. Take some time to, to enjoy it all. If I, if, mm-hmm. if I can help somebody just say, you know, just take a day off every now and then. Take a day off. 
take a take a mental health day, take a physical a physical day. Like all these people that we mentioned, they were still working. They were still working during this pandemic. You know, we said something uh, to each other uh, a few weeks ago when I was trying to uh, wrap up a book, and I was taking some Fridays off. And you said, "Hey, man, you know, take these Fridays is not so bad." And I said, "We should do it more often." Not because we don't enjoy what we do, but I, I just think it's important. I think it's important for everybody in every industry just to step back every now and then and say, all right. It is. But it's, I'm not doing it. it and it's also what you do when you step back. And, and that was yep. beautiful, Michael. Uh, that was a word for that was, I, I, I don't want to get back to normal. I'm with you. I don't want to get back to normal. Um, but as we rolled the tributes, those beautiful tweets from, again, People that are like family to us, Shalice, Vinny, Trotter, Lou Riddick, Peter King. That was just some of the names you just saw yeah. on your screen, yeah. some of their tweets. Great. Um, they all spoke to, again, and this is consistent, whether it's Pedro, whether it is Sekou, they, they, it spoke, and it's just in our business. We're just focusing on our business. It's hitting home, but this applies to everybody who's lost somebody. They spoke to the people and how they made them feel. And, and, and the men that they were and what they did mm -hmm. for other people. Tyler Tyrons, you saw his tweet as well. What they did for other people, how they mentored, how they encouraged, how they supported, um, how they brought joy to those who, whose lives they were able to touch and the people around them. I mean, Charles, and I'll read an excerpt from his column at Yahoo in a moment. Charles poured his heart and he, he wrote a love letter, more or less, to Therese as a friend, not just a colleague, not just as a podcast partner, but as a friend. Right. And, you know, we, we just celebrated uh, Dr. King's birthday and, and, and Dr. King Day and life's most urgent question is, what are you doing for others? It's like, we could talk all day about his work and he, apparently he was great at his job. I mean, I read him, I was familiar with him. He was great at his job, but he was better as a person. He was already a success. He'd already found his stride. Uh, as, a, as a human being um, and that's all that's all we should be aspiring to be it's like if you could if you could go through every day I'm not gonna take you all the way to church and just say if I could help somebody along the way then my living won't have been in vain Sing but it. I mean Sing you know if, 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 if every day if, if every day you could look up and say well I helped somebody in this little small way today or I made somebody's day a little bit better then you're doing all right you know, you're living, then you're living right. That's, that's truly living your best life. Uh, our heart goes out to his fiance, Ebony Reed, uh, who released the following statement. While we are shocked and saddened by Therese Paler's sudden passing, we also celebrate his extraordinary life that touched so many. Therese was an exceptional journalist whose passion for football made him a respected voice. His legacy will leave an enduring impact on sports journalism, the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and their fans. More important, Therese was a devoted son, grandson, brother, an adoring fiance, and a wonderful friend to so many. To know him was to, was love, to him. love him. He wow. will be dearly missed. Damn, I missed out. Uh, Yahoo. Uh, this is from Johnny Ludden, Yahoo Sports Editor-in-Chief. Uh, we are heartbroken 
to learn that our friend and teammate Therese Paler has passed away. Therese was a dogged, thoughtful reporter to many who knew him in the NFL. To us, he was a friend who always had a warm smile and a kind word. He cared deeply about his family, was passionate about his work, and remained intensely proud of his Detroit and Kansas City roots. Our sympathy is with Therese's family and everyone who knew and cared about him. And I also want to read uh, with Charles Robinson, just the way he ended his column. It was beautiful. It, it was, yeah, it this was, is good. It was incredible. This uh, is good. Charles is an excellent writer. Uh, and of course, uh, he put everything. I don't, I don't know how, I honestly don't know how he, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he sat at the computer and wrote this. Um, but he ended, he ended his column by saying, after we wrapped up our last podcast on Monday, he stayed late with myself and our producer, Brett Radar. Raider, excuse me, uh, and told us he felt like he had really gained traction that made him as confident as ever. We ended the day talking about the future. We laughed at each other's jokes. And before we said goodbye and signed off, we all made a promise to come out of the next few weeks of vacation, bringing new ideas to the podcast table. One day later, he was gone and the rhythms of life made less sense than ever. Um, Charles uh, went on to write, even typing that line makes my eyes well up again. I'm sure it will hurt like this for a long time in a lot of people. I take solace in believing that if Therese was our son, we must remember that the sun is also a star, a star that can warm you and change your orbit, all while emitting a light that will travel long beyond its own ending. That's the Therese Paler I knew, and that's the guy I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Michael, you and I, we're remembering him and, and maybe we're the only people capable of doing what we're doing right now for, for Therese and getting through it. And we saw an example of that, which we'll share with you in a moment. Uh, Charles, of course, was in no condition to join us yesterday and empty his notebook. Kimberly Martin from right. ESPN and the Undefeated, uh, you know, who, who paid tribute to him on her social media. She right. was in no position to join us today or no condition, I should say, to join us today uh, and remember uh, Therese and to empty her NFL notebook. Um, you know, it's hard for us to have this conversation, having known of Therese and his work, but not really known him. But you mentioned Steve Weiss earlier. Steve Weiss tried. He tried to go on uh, NFL Network today and tried to remember his brother. Uh, and, and, he, and, he, and he couldn't, he, 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 he succeeded, but it was hard. It, and you can hear the pain uh, in, in his tribute, um, in his, in his testimony about the man that Therese was. So, uh, this is, this is what Therese meant to Steve Weiss. Stunned with the news yesterday of Therese Paler and, and the fact that we lost him in Kansas City yesterday. I know you guys go way back. Yeah, look, Therese was one of the 48 selectors for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he really cherished that. You see him there with the Howard University lanyard on. We're both Howard University products. He loved being a Howard grad, as do I. He loved his job. God damn it. I'm sorry. You're good, man. Yeah, um, You're he good. loved life. This dude, he was 37. There's our Howard University crew. Me, Daryl Ledbetter, Jim Trotter, and Therese. This is at a Hall of Fame event because those are three of the selectors. He loved his friends. He loved doing his job. This dude loved his fiance. He never stopped talking about her. And I just want to let everyone know he's as loved as he loved, and we will miss him. I'm sorry, man. Don't apologize, Steve. He's 37 years old. It's, it's, it's too soon, and we have lost far 
Far too many of our colleagues recently, with Chris Wessling, with, with Pedro Gomez as well, just two days ago at ESPN, and now with Therese Paler, another, another one of our media family here. 37 years old. Our thoughts and prayers certainly with his fiance, with his family, Steve Weich, part of his Howard University family as well. Thank you, Andrew. Um, 37, bro. 37. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening too often and everybody's dealing with it. So, um, rest in peace, brother. Uh, our condolences yeah. to your friends, your family. And, and clearly there were many, there were many people he touched. That's not even the fans that, that read and listened to him who are heartbroken right now. So, um, like I said, Michael, off the top, it's good to be here, brother. It's good to see you. And, um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll check in with another one of our brothers, Jason Johnson, on the other side, and, uh, and we'll, we'll do what we do in honor of uh, Therese Paler. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What do you make of uh, CBS Jason Lock and Forrest saying that Seattle had gotten, you know, calls for uh, possible, you know, uh, trade talks with you? Do you believe that, that uh, Seattle has gotten calls? Yeah, I definitely believe they've gotten calls for sure. I think that, uh, you know, I think anytime you're, um, you know, you know, uh, a player that, you know, tries to produce every week and has done it for, you know, consistently, I think people are going to call for sure. And I think it's part of the process. Yeah, but you're a franchise quarterback. You're a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're not available, are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm available or not. That's a, that's a Seahawks <laughs> question. But I think also, I think more than anything else is um, – you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you want to win. You know, you play this game every day to wake up to win. You play this game, you know, to to be the best in the world. You know, I you know what I hate? I hate sitting there watching other guys play the game. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Michael, it, it just keeps happening. Like every week, our resident political scientist and political analyst becomes a sports talking head because these stories <laughs> – I keep thinking of you every time something happens, Jason. I'm like, wow, wonder what Jason thinks of this. You're making I, news. Hey, bro, I'm going to start with this. You make news. Hey, bro, you Jason good? Jason Johnson. You good? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 are, you, are you concerned? This is exactly what I wanted to hear. 
I'm so proud of Russ. You know, like they say, real G's move in silence, right? He's usually quiet. He's just, but he's putting this out there. He's putting, this is like, this is, this is, it's like when D-Wade was talking about playing with LeBron, it's like sometimes the relationship gets a little stale. You got to spice things up. This is, this is, you've been with your partner for a long time. And one day they come home and was like, you know who hit on me at the mall today? Um, you, know, you, know, you know who's now very attractive on the subway? I didn't even know. I just, I just put this on like usual. That I was at the gym. Like, he, he's, he's tossing it out there. He's tossing it out there. Oh, I, people are looking for me? Look, look on me? Russell Hall of Fame Wilson, who's been behind this lousy offensive line, who's gotten sacked more times than anybody else in the league in the nine years that I've been in this league. People are looking for me. I can't believe it. He is doing what we have not seen enough quarterbacks do, and certainly not enough black quarterbacks do throughout their career, is every time Russell Wilson from now on, and I'm proud of him for this, every time Russell Wilson ends the season and he's not in the Super Bowl, he's going to put pressure on the Seahawks. It's the same thing that Aaron Rodgers has done. It's the same thing that Tom Brady has done. These guys look at Tom Brady's 43-year-old MAGA-loving self win a Super Bowl with a team that at no point this season did anyone say was the best in the NFC. He just saw them win a Super Bowl, and he's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's happening here? What's happening here? So I'm yeah. I'm happy yeah. that Russell's going to yeah. do this. He's not getting traded. But I do think this is putting a fire under the seat of Pete Carroll and John Snyder and Walden, the new offensive coordinator. The best offseason possible. You said he's not getting traded. Are you sure? That he's not getting I, traded. Are you are, are you willing to say that uh, you, you're confident Russell Wilson will be the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks in 2021? I am 100,000%. You can put this with curb your enthusiasm music. Russell Wilson will be the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Old takes exposed can tweet me. Russell Wilson will be the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks at the beginning of the 2021 season. He has a no trade clause. So he's not going anywhere that he doesn't want to go. I don't think he wants to leave Seattle at all. I think they, I mean, they won the division. They won 12 games. The man doesn't get hurt that often. The rest of the division is basically in disarray. I don't believe in Matt Stafford. Like I said, Matt Stafford. We don't know who's going to be oh, the quarterback of the 49ers, <laughs> right? And, and I've already told you that, you know, Kyler Murray is the dollar store version of, of, of Russell Wilson. So he's in a great position. Now you're shading dollar bad. stores. Now you're shading dollar stores. <laughs> dollar okay. store. Versus Walmart church's chicken, now dollar, dollar stores, bro. The churches private school, dollar stores. Private school got you all so did it like that. <laughs> okay, okay, there it is. <laughs> Go ahead, there Michael. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Doc. Dr. Jason Johnson. Okay, okay. Life's good for you. All right. Listen. <laughs> And on top of something else, now, I'll tell you, Mike Smith and Doc Johnson, uh, and Mike knows this, I'm not always great. Look, I, I'm, I'm a little late. I, I'm not always on Twitter. So I catch up a little bit late. I'm not on it all the time. Okay. But don't you know, Dr. Jason Johnson and Michael Smith. Mike, I don't know if you saw this. Jason Johnson trying to do his best Mike Florio slash Adam Schefter saying, you know, sources tell me, my sources, <laughs> that's what he said, Mike. My sources I tell me that. that if Tom Brady had lost the Seattle Super Bowl, he was going to be traded and Jimmy Garoppolo's going to take I saw that. Like, you yes. going back, I saw that. you digging yes. into your six-year-old notebook. Yes, yes. I don't know if that was yeah. in your book, Michael Holly. <laughs> I, was, I, was gonna say, I, I didn't know that. 
I will tell you all this. I literally spoke to a very well-respected uh, sports writer, reporter, journalist that you guys know, best-selling author. We had this conversation in a green room, and he was he was vociferous and prolific in saying, had because he, he found out I was a Seahawks fan, so we started having this whole conversation. And he said, had the Seahawks, we were talking about dominoes. This is two or three years ago. He's like, had the Seahawks won that Super Bowl, Brady was out. He was like, 100%. He's like, mm-hmm. I can tell you, he was 100% out. They were going to move on to Jimmy Garoppolo. Brady would have not won a Super Bowl for 10 years. If you think about it, that Seahawks win, which really was on the defense of Malcolm Butler, that led him on, you know, a, another, a second career run of winning four more Super Bowls. Yeah. Had he lost to Seattle at that particular yeah. point, Tom Brady is gone from the New England Patriots. And they'd be, at this point, six years into Jimmy Garoppolo and probably three reconstructed needs. So yeah, that, that well, is I, that is from an actual I, an actual source in a green room source back when we used to have green well, rooms. Well, well, we'll we'll allow it. It's from it's it's from another reporter. We'll allow it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. But wait, I, I do want to get I do want to get you. I, I, I won't reveal it because it was a green room. But yes, well known. I got you. Well respected. I don't trust. Listen, I don't trust many people's sources, but that's cool. Um, that's that's a good story. We, I do want to get your thoughts on the most recent Super Bowl and, of course, the impeachment trial. But just one more thing on the Seahawks. So you became mm-hmm. a Seahawks fan because of Russell Wilson, correct? So is it like LeBron fans who just follow LeBron wherever he goes so they become a Cavs fan and a Lakers fan or they were a Heat fan at one point? So if Russell, let's say he is the quarterback this year and maybe even mm-hmm. next year, but if he leaves, will you follow Russell or will you stay with the Seahawks? Just, I just want to kind of get that clarification. I will follow both because as you guys know, and as I've said many times publicly and privately, I root for whichever team has a black coach and a black quarterback. I was an Eagles fan with okay. McNabb and Andy Reid for 14 years. When McNabb left, I was supporting the Vikings. When McNabb left, I was supporting the Washington football team. And I was looking for another team when he left the Eagles. And I was basically deciding between Wilson and Kaepernick. And, and and I decided Russell Wilson. I became a Seahawks fan before they went to their first Super Bowl. So that's that was that was the sort of process. If Russell Wilson were to leave, which I don't believe is going to happen this year, but if Russell Wilson were to leave at some point, I would root for whichever team he went for, and I would still be with the Seahawks because of Jamal Adams, because of DK Metcalf, because of Tyler Lockett, because of all those other guys who I support. Even with that's Pete right. Carroll, best friend Jamal Adams. That's right. I was going to say, yeah, Jamal Adams. Right. Who you you. You probably yeah, signed you're, a you're book deal, right? You guys got a book deal for Jamal Adams, now, don't you? <laughs> hey, he called. He called the Go Super ahead, Bowl. He, he called it with Todd Bowles. I didn't know that was going to happen. He was right. I was he wrong. He did. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about this thing that is just just driving me crazy all over again. We saw what happened on January sixth. Uh, I was just disturbed by that, and now we have the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump and the video. The House manager, uh, Raskin, has done a a phenomenal job with obvious material, but he's done a phenomenal job with this presentation anyway. But it's all coming back when you see these videos and you hear the testimonies. What are some of the takeaways that that you've uh, you've gotten from these two days here of testimony? So first off, I'm going to take y'all back. I don't know if you were these kinds of students. See, I was in public school. Y'all ain't going to shame me. I was a public school kid. But if you remember, if oh, you remember being course. in high school, yes. <laughs> and 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 you know, you may or may not have put as much work into your project as the other kids. 
and then you see this presentation and it's amazing and they got like video and PowerPoint <laughs> and all you have is a scrap of paper <laughs> that you like wrote on the bus on your way there. That is what the Republicans look like going up against the Democrats in this impeachment. I, I mean, the, the first takeaway yeah. I had is, is that the guy, Bruce Castor, literally said yesterday in his presentation, the Democrats impeachment manager's presentation was so good, we had to go back and reevaluate our defense of Donald Trump. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. What does that mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> we ain't need to know all of that. Right. Jason. Jason, I said yesterday. We knew anyway. Jason. Yeah. I told Michael yesterday. I told Michael yesterday, if this were a football game and it was a coin toss, they should have elected to receive. Like they should not have kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> they have they, given the they were the not ready for the cover two, right? They were just not ready. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing: when when he's going and he's trying to explain, you can tell that they don't know what to say. They don't know how to defend the president. They don't really have an explanation. And really, as the guy became as as he went further and further in the process, I was like, you are just kind of making this up. Like you're you're being paid by the word. Like, you don't seem to have much of an idea. And I don't care. It could be Jackie Childs, my cousin Vinny, any televised cartoon network lawyer you've ever had in your life. Donald Trump deserves a refund because that was the worst lawyering I have ever seen <laughs> in my life at any point, including, like, various episodes of Law & Order where they had understudies. Like, it was terrible. So, so that's the first takeaway. The second takeaway, real talk, is, like, that video... The video that the Democrats mm. put together, which had unseen footage of the assault on the Capitol, yeah. was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. They should run that against every single Republican uh, in the midterm next year. And quite frankly, I can imagine it was traumatizing for some of these senators to see that, right? And, and, and when you have your Josh Hollies and your Ted Cruz's who are like, I don't really know, it's like the old comedian said, oh, you don't know-ish because you were doing-ish? I mean, like, there are Republicans <laughs> who are in the Senate chamber right now who are a part of this. So I, I think, yeah. you know, is it going to change anybody's votes? Probably not. But is it a, 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 an intense indictment of the Republican Party? And are the Democrats doing a fantastic job? I mean, this is... This is probably the best presentation uh, that I have seen anybody do. It was better than the weekend. Uh, it's probably the best presentation I've seen <laughs> in a large from a showcase in a long time. Well, it's because Trump has basically incriminated himself over the past four years. They're doing a phenomenal job. You're right. Every time I watch that video, it hits harder. Um, and it should be an open and shut case. But he gave it's funny. He first of all about his representation. You're right. They're not the representation he needs, but they're certainly the one that he deserves because they're right. the fitting of his presidency that he would have these clowns representing him. It's an extension of him, right? But right. in terms of the evidence, he declined an invitation to testify. He didn't need to testify. It's all been out there for all of us to see, and they're using his own words against him. But what's troubling, so Bill Cassidy, he voted. He crossed over and voted that it was constitutional yesterday based on right. the presentation that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. Still no telling as to just how much, whether that means anything, because, you know, whether they voted to convict him is a whole different story. But what I'm getting at, though, Jason, is it seems like what the prosecution and the, and the impeachment managers are doing is they're appealing to the sensibilities of these Republicans, not just the evidence right. that Donald Trump incited this, but also trying to basically shock them with, hey, guys, I know it was only a month ago. I know it was a whole month ago, but do you remember right. how bad this was? 
and yet you have your Josh Hollies with his feet kicked up reportedly shuffling papers not paying attention I guess what I'm getting at is this battle for the soul of America are they are they trying to appeal to a bunch of soulless people to a soulless party at this point that really has already got its mind made up at, you know when it comes so to, to guilt or innocence for Donald Trump to, to, to paraphrase Ice Cube before he he sold out with his plan for black America uh, you know arrest the president we got the evidence like that that's that's what's happening here, right like the, the 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 Democratic Party is saying you all have no choice to impeach because the evidence literally is in your own memory. The evidence is you racing out of the, the Capitol into the Russell building, into offices, worried about being killed. The evidence is the nightmares you had. The evidence is the phone calls that your staffers got all around the country from other MAGA supporters saying, next time we're going to get you. That is the evidence. So the Democrats are doing a very good job of presenting that. What I would like to see them do, and there's still some debate about this, is like the one person who I want to hear from, you know, every time, you know, there's like a behind the music, it's like, what I really want to hear from is Martelli's Brody, right? Like there's always that one person who you know is going to blow this whole thing mm -hmm. open. If they could get one person to be a witness, I want to hear Mike Pence. I want to hear the vice yeah. president of the United States, who's basically in hiding right now. I want him to be flown in. I don't care if he's hostile. They got to do some Hannibal Lecter, roll him in, pull off his mask. I don't know how he's going to be. But I want to see Mike Pence come in there and ask them and ask him direct questions. How did you feel about the fact that people were saying, hang Mike Pence? Who in this room, point to who touched you, right? Who, who do you think is responsible for people running into this building and saying, hang Mike Pence? That's the one person I would want to hear, because if, they, if everything else they've done is effective as it is, they have to have somebody up there who's going to say how this directly impacted. And the fact that we have a vice president of the United States who's essentially former vice president, who's essentially living in hiding right now, whose family has been threatened because his boss made him the face of resistance after nothing but four years of loyalty. I think that will put the final nail in the coffin. I don't, I don't again. I don't think the Republicans are going to, 17 Republicans are going to switch, but I think you might get one or two more right. if Mike Pence was willing to come in and testify. Hey, Doc Johnson, I, I told Michael Smith yesterday that they're remaking the miseducation of Lauren Hill. It's now the miseducation of Michael Holly. I'm coming out of it. I'm coming out of the whole stupor, of the optimistic stupor I was in for a long time. Uh, and, you're, and, you, and you have helped me. You have helped me here. So I, I look to you. I look to you for your political insight to kind of help me through some of these stumbling blocks that I have. I'm having a hard time, a really difficult time with 56 to 44. 56, I have no problem with. 44. Why? How do we have 44 people who can see all the things that, that we've talked about today and say, that's not unconstitutional? Like, what, what does that mean? Is it, do they really believe that? Or is this all yes. about... Hey, political expediency. We live in a country where white vigilante violence has always been rationalized and justified by the federal government. Whether that was the Ku Klux Klan, uh, whether that was George Zimmerman, uh, whether that's the Proud Boys. When white people engage in violence to express their discomfort with anything, we have always had large sections of the federal government, state government, local government that will say that it's okay. So what we're seeing from the Republican Party right now is essentially what we've seen writ large throughout the history of this country. Quite frankly, we're also seeing it from the Democratic Party, which controls every branch of government, with how sort of passive they have been in the arrest and prosecution 
and jailing of some of the individuals who are involved. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at the 44 who basically said that this was not a constitutional impeachment. Because as far as they're concerned, white violence and the instigation of white violence is always justified in the face of a multicultural democracy, which they vehemently stand against. So I'm not surprised by this. We're going to see more of this going forward. That's why, that's why, Holly, we see all these different court cases around the country where people are like, yeah, I was involved with the insurrection. Yeah, I beat a police officer into a coma at Washington, D.C., but I still want to go on vacation in Mexico. Can you let me go? Right. That's how I you got can a have wedding. a guy say, I got a wedding yeah, in Peru. Yeah, I got a wedding to go to. In Peru. <laughs> <I got> a- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that, that, that's, a, you know, that's how we can have a guy, that's how we can live in a country where, uh, you know, Muslim POWs in Iraq can be abused and stacked on top of each other and sexually assaulted, et cetera, et cetera, forced to eat pork, right? But a guy who literally attacks the Capitol can say, I'm sorry, I really kind of only like sweet green instead of chopped and I really need organic food. And they'll acquiesce to it. Right. That's the country that we live in. That's why when, when I watched and I tweeted this yesterday, guys, when I watched that video and I and there's this terrifying scene of a police officer being crammed in a door and he's being screaming. Crushed. Yes. Screaming crushed, for his life. Screaming, screaming for in help. agony. Yeah. In yes. agony. Yes. And I'm yep. feeling like, God. And, and, and all I could think about, guys, was and y'all didn't feel for your lives. If, and y'all didn't feel what? for your lives. I would fire on every single person there. Mm. And That's, yet black people remember when it down first the went down? Can be shot. Yes. Remember when it first went down? We were all of us. Every black person said, "Couldn't have been us. Couldn't have been us." Yeah. That's right. Right. And then when yeah. you see it yesterday, when you see that video, it's like, wait. And and this, I don't care how people take this. Honestly, I don't care how people take what I'm about to say. It's like, why you didn't shoot him? Like, why, why, yeah. why, why, why didn't you, why did you not mow them down? Like, like, how did you let, how did you let this get that far where they're literally heave hoeing their way past the doors? Like, their, yeah. their, their hand, they, they would have never, like, for them to get that close to them, have somebody screaming in pain. And, yes. and it's like, you're right, it's just so acceptable. Like, it was almost like they, they were over, their, their better judgment was overridden by their sympathy for their fellow white people. It's like, guys, like, please don't do this. Man, they were coming in there. This video shows you that they meant business coming in there. They were yes. coming there to do damage. They weren't coming there to ask politely, would you please no. reconsider counting the electoral votes? They were coming in there to do damage, and they did do damage. And I'm sorry, it is hard as a black person. I'm sorry, not sorry. It is hard as a black person to watch that video. And yeah, they showed Ashley Babbitt getting shot, but it is hard to watch that and say, how did it get this far? When oh blue lives matter, but they were I mean they were face to face with police, cussing them yes. out, calling them yes. all kinds of names, right. saying F pigs. Yes. But blue lives matter though. Oh, and I'll take I'll take it one step further because this is the other thing that really got me. It's like so these people, and again, this is from the video and the presentation. Some of the things that I've seen today. So these people, Donald Trump basically says, "I'll be with you. Go march to the Capitol." These people are engaging in these activities with hats on, underwear, T-shirts, flags that say Trump, Trump, Trump. They're getting on the phone saying, we're doing this for Trump, yay for Trump, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet the Republican Party will still have some members who are Republicans say, well, we can't prove that Trump had anything to do with this. And yet, and yet, and I, I tweeted this <laughs> yesterday, and yet you can have one black person shoplift at a Target and a national newspaper will say, Black Lives Matter person caught a Target. 
It's like, like, <laughs> right. like so everybody black. Yeah. Right. Everybody right. Black. Right. Because of a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. Yeah. No. But, 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 no. but Trump. I was just saying, yeah, like, but but these people can run in as a staff label and an organization. Trump everywhere, and for some reason they have yeah. to still be viewed as individuals. Oh no! Yeah, no, no. I'll tell it's, you. It's because it's because Mitch keep Mitching. Remember, because Mitch said, well, "I'm not doing this before the 19th." Oh, I'm, oh, I'm so pleased that we're going to go through with this trial. Is it constitutional? No, because he's no longer in office. See what I did there? <laughs> see, what, see what I did there? <laughs> go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I'm just going to say, fellas, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this, too. I don't I don't want to hear anything else from anybody about I don't want to hear about Antifa and the violence of Antifa when you have uh, what we had on January 6th. I don't want to hear about their district. These athletes are disrespecting our flag and disrespecting our anthem. Were you using a flag as a weapon to get into the yes. Capitol? And I and I got to tell you something else. Uh, I, I don't want to be I, I have a hard time being preached to uh, by evangelicals who support that, who support that and say that Donald Trump did a great job. You supposedly are preaching the gospel and you support that. You know, you got to sit down. You, you lost me. I, I'm leaving the pews. I'm leaving the pews but, on but, that one. But see, Holly, you got to remember, they're not worshiping Muhammad. They're not worshiping Jesus. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping whiteness. And the the, the zenith of whiteness for them is Donald Trump. Like when we talk about, I, I did an interview earlier this week. It's coming out of a podcast, which I'll tell you guys about some point down the road. Uh, but I did an interview with okay. Malcolm Nance, right? You guys know who Malcolm Nance is. We did a whole interview yes. about white nationalist rising groups. Yeah, this is it, 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 the, the difference between the MAGA movement at its core and QAnon is not radically different from what you see with Al Qaeda. They they have a living God, and that is Donald Trump, who they get their orders from. Shutting that man out of Twitter was basically like destroying all the copies, you know, of, of, of his sort of missives to people. But that is who they worship. So whatever. So this doesn't have to do with what their faith is, right? Because these people may be committed Christians, but that's not important. More important than whiteness and bigotry. These people may have made a commitment to the federal government as as soldiers. They may have made a commitment to protect and serve as cops. But none of those commitments supersede their commitment to whiteness and an aggressive, violent, racist version of whiteness that says that any country that has white people in it should be dominated by white people. And there is no place for black, brown, tan, poor, anybody else if there's not a white person in charge. And that's that's what's driving every single misbehavior. And I hate to say this, guys, because we're going to be in this conversation. I'll never forget, because remember, the insurrection happened on the show. Like, we were talking about it the mm -hmm. day it happened. Yeah. It was a Wednesday. We were live. We were covering it live. That's right. Yeah, right. We were covering yeah. it live. And, and I remember saying at the time, I believe this, we're going to see more of this because these people haven't learned their lesson. And, and, and so I understand where you are, Holly, because it's, it's just as frustrating to me. But Michael, I will also say this. When you talk about shooting, I don't wish death upon anybody. Many men, right? I don't right. wish death on yes. them. Yes. But I will say <laughs> let's, this. Let's go ahead and put that out there. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, blood in my eyes so I can't see. But I will say this. Had the police shot these insurrectionists as they were invading the Capitol, which the Capitol Police had every right to do, I think it oh, would have had a effect on any future assaults. The fact that these people walked out of that building scot-free, oftentimes I don't know about with that. the assistance of Capitol Police, that's why we're going to get more violence.
I, you know what? I actually got to disagree. I respectfully disagree on that, Doc, because I was thinking as I'm playing this out, it's like, why did I just open fire the way that they would have done if black people rightfully had stormed the Capitol in protest of racial injustice? I don't know, sometime over the last 400 years. Okay. Right. If, they'd have, if they'd have done that, right? If they'd have done that, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been they got what they deserved or Capitol Police rightfully defended themselves or defended the Capitol. The Capitol Police would have been in the wrong because they would have been shedding innocent blood. Okay, it would have been it would have been on them. I, I think the, I think the story and the narrative because remember these are patriots we're talking about here. These are just these mm -hmm. are frustrated patriots. I don't. I, I think the story would have been about the police shedding innocent blood unnecessarily had there been bot tenement square like bodies everywhere. I think I, I don't think it would have been discouraging. I, I think it would have been the opposite effect. We'd have seen more of white privilege at play in the fallout from a bloodbath had they defended themselves with more deadly force. I, 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 I agree with you only this far. If this had been Kent State, right, in the 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. yeah. and they yeah. came out a yeah. Gatling gun, you know, in, in, on, on some mm -hmm. predator level stuff or just, you know, the, the Cable and Capcom just, you know, blowing everybody away in the middle of the in the middle of the street. Yeah. Then yes, obviously the whole country yeah. would have been horrified, yeah. right? But I think yeah. had, had had that happened in the Capitol, that that part is clear. If you're in the Capitol, you're already an invader. I think had there been shootouts within the Capitol, had there been violence mm -hmm. within the Capitol, had there been more deaths within the Capitol, because the woman who was shot, it happened in the Capitol. No one is no one's doing sure. fake pieces on her. Because it was very clear that she was already in the wrong. And I also believe objectively that even though you had kill teams within those groups that were trying to kill Mike Pence, that were trying to kill AOC, that were trying to kill Nancy Pelosi, I also think that once this got serious, once these guys realized that you can't LARP your way into a revolution, that just because you go to Cabela's I hear you. I mean, you know what? We, we lost you there for a second, but I hear oh, you. Sorry. It would have put the fear. It would have put the fear of, a, of the real God in them, not their false yeah. idol. They would have put the real. That's right. The fear to, yeah. No, I, I got you. No, I, I hear you. And yeah. you're right. I mean, we, we know that Ashley Babbitt was shot. It just I, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Just the, the the sympathy still that they're experiencing, yeah. not just the, the double yeah, I mean, they, and the privilege that we talked about, but it's sympathy. You're right. These people. It's still there. It's still there. I mean, if you want to go back and it's unintentionally funny, uh, if you want to go back to conservative media the day of January 6th, January 7th, mm -hmm. and maybe, hell, for that matter, uh, February 10th, what they're saying about the insurrection. Well, we don't know who it was. It was just a couple people. How is this different than BLM? They got all kinds of excuses. So yeah, that's well. with that. I think Mike's right. They have excuses now. Imagine... If they had been uh, mowed down, then oh my God, yeah, it could be a totally I, I different think, narrative. They would have, and look, I'm sure at some point throughout this throughout this impeachment hearing, you know, because they look, they've tried whatever kind of defenses that they can, and I'm sure at some point 
they'll they'll talk about these people as victims, right? They will bring out they'll bring out the Chewbacca defense. You know, they'll distract it. They'll they'll bring out. You know, I am surprised. I'm sure he's got some free time after the Super Bowl commercial. They'll bring out Shaggy. He'll say it wasn't me. It wasn't Ted Cruz. It wasn't Josh Holly. It wasn't this person. It wasn't that person. That's what they're probably going to do. But I think the vast majority of the American public, regardless of what they may think of Donald Trump, are like, I'm not trying to kill people for this. Right? I'm just trying to get back to Target. I'm just trying to get back to the movie theater. I, I think the public as a whole, and we've seen it in okay. the polling, is in favor of Trump being impeached. The public as a whole is in favor of seeing some consequences for the men and women who are involved in this action. Because at the end of the day, as cynical as I may be about the United States, and justifiably so for all the years that I have been black on this particular planet, if there's one thing that even white America doesn't like, it's disruption. And this has been a yeah. disruption to our way of life. And that's ultimately what I yeah. think ends up moving in favor of the Democrats, even in the impeachment process. Nobody likes to see this level of violence, and whether it's violence for justifiable reasons, like the, the killing of unarmed black people all across the country that we saw last summer, or the absolutely non-justified violence of a president right. leading to an insurrection in hopes of killing his people. I'll just add one word, barely. <laughs> They're barely in favor <laughs> of impeachment. <laughs> Before That's we let you go, you've done this. You've done this twice now. You did it on our girl Tiffany's IG live, and you did it just now, bro. You got to stop teasing this podcast thing. If you go, you can't bring it up. Be like, oh, I can't tell you about this right now. I'm at some point. You've done it twice. He's still working, <laughs> dotting some eyes, crossing some T's. He's just working on some details right now, right? Details, information, but it. It should be rolling out. It should be rolling out with the next two. I got a couple more interviews set up. I'm gonna get them in the can, and then I'll make I'll make a big old right. announcement. Well, whatever it is, this. whatever it is, whatever it is, we know it will be brilliant. And Doc, I know I speak for Michael. Maybe he he probably wants to say something himself. We thank you. We are thankful for you. We appreciate thank you. you. We appreciate the work you do. We appreciate the fact that you take time out to spend it with us every Wednesday. Thank you for making us smarter. Thank you for making us better. Thank you for being you, brother. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Love y'all both. Appreciate it. Thanks, Doc. All right, man. Be good. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Mike, you want to talk about a story that's developed quickly. So last night, people noticed, I think it was the Athletic first, noticed that the Mavericks were not playing the national anthem during their home games this year. 13 games, they had not played the national anthem pregame. And apparently that was cool with the league. Cuban, Mark Cuban had consulted with Commissioner Adam Silver and because of the unusual nature of this year, no, no fans at games, they had relaxed some of their requirements from, from a pregame standpoint. Um, and while the NBA rule book required players to stand during the national anthem, Adam Silver, he hadn't really enforced it, as you know, Michael, since right. kneeling became somewhat popular uh, in recent years in terms of protests and social injustice during the anthem. So before we could even bring this story to today's show, because I was going to tell you, Michael, we'll see how long this lasts. The NBA has never <laughs> that in the bud. Okay. <laughs> so the NBA, because right. my take was going to be, oh, wait, this is okay. Now that people noticed, let's see how long they can continue right. to do this. The NBA released a statement this afternoon uh, saying this is from Chief Communications Officer Mike Bass. He said, with NBA teams now in the process of welcoming fans back into their arenas, all teams will play the national anthem in keeping with long-standing league policy. Now, uh, Sham Sharanya from The Athletic had already said that Mark Cuban, his decision had nothing to do with not loving the U.S., but because many, many in his organization feel that the anthem doesn't represent them and they want to continue the discussion of how to represent people from all communities when honoring the U.S. at a game. So then Mark Cuban responds to today's development by saying we respect and always have respected the passion people have for the anthem in our country. But we also loudly hear the voices of those who feel the anthem does not represent them. We feel that their voices need to be respected and heard because they have not been. Amen. Going forward, our hope is that people will take the same passion, keep that same energy. That's my words, not his. <laughs> that they have for the same intensity and apply the same amount of energy. There it is. Sorry. Keep apply the same amount of energy to listen to those who feel differently from them. Only then we can move forward and have courageous conversations that move this country forward and find what unites us. They they capped it off by saying, "Listen, learn, unite." Um. And so I, I see you processing it, Michael. It, again, I, I had every intention. My take was going to be same as Colin Kaepernick. He was sitting for the national anthem until the aforementioned Steve Weish asked him why. He explained it. The rest is literally history. Right. When I saw this last night, I was like, this is good. This is the right thing to do. Bravo to the Mavericks. But I'm telling you, I was going to, I was going to say, We'll see how long this lasts now that people are paying attention to it. Sure enough, they're slowly but surely letting fans back in the games and Adam Silver and, and the NBA, you know what they're doing? They're getting out ahead of it because they knew where this was going to go. And, and the NBA, as progressive as we like to think that the NBA is, and, and, and they've earned that reputation to some extent. Now they have This is corporate. And they have it. To some extent, relatively, relatively speaking, Relatively speaking, when you compare it to the NFL and Major League Baseball, sure, if somebody got to have the progressive crown, it's that league. If you've got to give it to somebody, it's the NBA. They're more, and they're more of a players league, and that, for that matter, a black players league. But time and time again, Michael, and I agree with you, and this is that, this is that instance, they prove to us what they're really about, or more specifically, what they're not about, which is that life. Yeah, you know what, look, I, I said over the summer, I don't want to get distracted. 
because I'll come back to this another time. But I said over the summer, let's stop calling the NBA a black league. Let's stop it. Just because you play my favorite song, just because you got some former players on the bench as assistant coaches, how many black coaches you got? Yeah. We keep talking about the NFL. Yeah. They got a Rooney rule. Uh, do, you, do you need yeah. a rule? Do you need an hour back rule? The first uh, uh, owner, the first uh, uh, general manager in professional sports, it's, in all the professional it's sports, the name of black coach? Maybe we should call it a culture. We should call it a culturally yeah. black. Come on, man. It's culturally black. Come on, they got. That's what the NBA is, right? How many owners? How many owners? How many black owners? Um, how about the commissioner's office? Who are your assistants? Who are you relying on for your information? But so I'll get back to the NBA on that level for a second. But I always, I've always wondered this. Back in the days when I was covering the league, and. Uh, Stood for the anthem. Mark Tatum. Mark, we got Mark Tatum, by the way. I'm sorry. A little bit of a delay. I just heard what you said. Mark Tatum um, is. But I As what? I'm, I'm not just trying to name the one. As what? Deputy? Trying, deputy commissioner. I'm not just trying to name. The, yeah, I'm not trying to name the one, but I got you. Just want I want to see. Sure I want to see. I want to see the whole staff. Accurate. I got you. I'd like to see the give, office. Your points are all taken. Let's, give me on a Zoom call and let's go around the room. <laughs> right. Let, okay. Let's look, at, let's look at your org chart. Let's look at your. All right. Let me chart. see. Got you. Let me yeah, see. I don't, I don't want to get you off skeptic. track. I don't want to get you off track. I'm not going to get off track. But back in the days when I was covering the league yeah. and standing for the anthem, because that was the thing. That was the thing. Everybody, like, no one, no one really sat for it. Uh, I was covering the NBA when uh, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, remember that name? Uh, he decided that he wasn't going to be out there uh, for the anthem uh, because it did not represent him. And he got a lot of pushback, and then he was out there. Uh, I think he was with the Nuggets at the time. So when I was covering the league, I always wondered, why do we need this? Why do we need this so much in sports? Because let's say, Mike, you're not a sports fan. There are lots of, uh, there are more non-sports fans in the country than there are sports fans, believe it or not. So if you're not a sports fan, when do you hear the anthem? When do you hear it? You don't. You don't. And, and no. the Olympics. Inauguration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, know, you don't. And, uh, and so those people, we don't play it at work every day. If those people school, who are not season legions, that's about it. Right. Those people who are not season ticket holders uh, to NBA teams in different times. So that's 41 home dates. And let's say you go to 25 of them. So those people who don't, who don't uh, stand with their hand over their heart and gentlemen, please remove your hats. They sit all the time in Charlotte. Um, but those people who are doing that uh, for the anthem, those, tw- those 25 times, if you don't hear it those 25 times a year, are you less American? Are you less patriotic? Do you not think about the values of this country? So the people who go to sporting events and stand there and look around to see who else, is, who, who's not paying attention or who's kneeling or who's doing something else yeah. so you can kind of shame them. Like, are, are, are those the real patriots and everybody else is just like, they're just taking it for ever, granted that they're American since, citizenship. Ever since this started with Colin Kaepernick, it's right? so ridiculous. I've been saying why. I've been saying why do people think that patriotism has anything to do with posture? The people doing the kneeling were more patriotic, in the truest definition, than the people who were condemning and vilifying those who were peacefully protesting uh, in the name of. Uh, now we know that. Of, we know that for sure Black now, don't we? After January sixth, brutality. We, we know That's that for exactly sure. Right? Don't we? Those were so-called patriots, and 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 while so from a practical standpoint, Michael, and we saw in the NFL 
people just deciding not to even come out for the national anthem instead of trying to like decide who was going to sit, who was going to stand, we're going to do it as a team, we're not going to do it as a team, blah, blah, blah. It's like, let's just not come out at all. This is an efficient way to avoid the problem by saying, we're just not going to play it. We're just not going to, forget it, we're just not going to play it at all. But I don't think that's what Mark Cuban was doing here. I actually give Mark Cuban credit, and I've been critical of Mark Cuban quite a bit over the years, but he seems yeah. to have yeah. uh, taken the opportunity to educate and enlighten himself during this movement. I appreciate what he's saying because, like, this anthem, and this didn't start with Colin Kaepernick. This goes back to Jackie Robinson. <laughs> this anthem does not mean the same thing to you as it does to me, as it does to Michael Holly. As it, it just right. means something different. Setting aside what the actual words, the context, and the background of the the the, the lyrics to the national anthem are. Let's set that aside for a second. Right. All right. I'm talking about strictly. Feeling pride and patriotism, it is hard for all of us to take pride and feel patriotism and feel loyalty and love for a country that more often than not does not love us back. And if you're telling me to leave it, tell that to the people who, who, who stormed the Capitol too, okay? I love America so much until I reserve the right to criticize her perpetually, James Baldwin, okay? So, Michael... And here's another bit of hypocrisy before I pass it back to you. The hypocrisy is stick to sports. I don't like my politics mixing with sports. <laughs> I, want, I, I don't like my food touching. Ain't nothing right. more political, nothing more nationalistic right. than playing the national right. anthem before a sporting event. It is inherently political. It is inherently political. So those same people that say stick to sports want to have a, a, a want, want to feel some kind of way about the national anthem being played or in this case not being played before games and the NBA is capitulating proactively in advance to the people who they know are going to get pissed off not that it's been drawn that some attention has been drawn to it but let me ask you something Michael what does it say that nobody noticed after 13 games it wasn't a story what does it say that nobody unbelievable noticed? unbelievable right uh, and and so this is the NBA the NBA has been doing I don't know when the NBA started uh, with the anthem before games, as long as I can remember. So I started covering the league uh, in 1992. Uh, not, yeah, the 92-93 season uh, was my first year covering the NBA. So as long as I can remember, it was there. But what, pe what people don't recall is that the NFL never did it. For a long time, the NFL didn't do it. It wasn't a big deal until there was a partnership, a business relationship uh, between the NFL uh, and and the services and the armed services, the military. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so, and I was going to say the army, but it's not. It's more in the army. It was like it's a, it's a business. It was a business relationship. And so, as part of that relationship, we started to have it. And I think that was in the late '90s. So there were many times where nobody was really paying attention. As a matter of fact, even when the NBA had it, uh, there's a former Celtic. You know him, and I know him uh, too. Know him very well, Cedric Maxwell. When he played, he played in the 70s and 80s. He didn't go out for the anthem. And everybody knew it. He didn't go out. He'd say, hey, I was, you know, I'm using the bathroom or doing something else or I have just, uh, you know, something with my equipment. But he would always be in the locker room for the anthem. Then he would come out and it was no big deal. Now it has become a thing uh, for, for people to notice. But I always, but I, I still come back to the, like the love of country. 
What is it? What, what, what signifies your love for the United States of America? What is it? Is it? It's is personal. It Patriotism is personal, man. What is it? Right. If, like, if you don't have the if you don't have the anthem, do you ever do you, do you t- is, is there some is there something that you do? Is it something that triggers you to uh, think about your gratitude for the country, your love for the country, your respect for the admiration, any kind of reflection? I, I, I just have a hard time believing that the only people who do it are sports people. And if sports people don't yep. do it, everybody else is just unwashed and simple. You, you putting a flag outside of your house or you or you standing up for the national anthem, which, you know, at attention, that doesn't make you more of an American or more patriotic or that doesn't that's not that's, just because that's your love language. It doesn't mean you love America or what it purports to stand for more than the next person who doesn't. And as, I, I, I have as much respect as the next person. I have family members. I have friends who have served and sacrificed in the military. I mean, much respect as the next person for our servicemen and women and their families. I know servicemen and women and their families who are frustrated about how this country treats them. Right. Not just minorities, not just people of right. color, not just black people, veterans. Mm-hmm. Mm. Veterans. Teach. Teach. Your president, your former president, your former president called them losers and suck. What's in it for them? What's in but it for them? Patri- but was he was patriotic. What's the quote? But he was patriotic. Exactly. But he was patriotic. Woj tweeted this, Michael. He said that once fans were increasingly back in arenas, including in Dallas, there was little chance that Adam Silver would let Ma- the Mavs continue without playing the anthem. Woj also said maybe there's a collective conversation in the NBA or sports to be had on the issue, but Silver wasn't letting one team make that uh, decision. I would have loved to have seen how it played out. I would have loved to have seen yeah, me too. An, uh, uh, the, the tension that would have played out. It reminds me of what Roger Goodell said. Our fans want us to stand, want our players to stand. Right. What fans? Like, who, who, what fans? Who? Right. We, who, who are you talking who, about? Who, 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 who you talking <laughs> right, about? Right. Which fans? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just, okay, I know which fans you're talking about, but you clearly didn't poll me or the people that I... I have no problem with I wonder exercising their right to not stand for the national anthem. You know, hey, instead you know of what, trying I, to avoid the I gotta give. let's embrace it. I, I thought we had grown up. To I got to give Cuban. I got to give Cuban credit on this one. I, it, if, if that story hadn't been written, how long do we go? How long before Without somebody notices? Mike, it, the NBA season started in December. Here we are in February. Yeah. There was no announcement. There was no Talking announcement. Talking about it. There's no announcement. He just decided, no, we're not doing it. And you got one of the highest yeah. profile players in the league and, and Luka Doncic. I mean, you got so many things that you pay attention to for the Dallas Mavericks and nobody. <laughs> I mean, it's really funny if you think about it because we get so worked up about these things because yeah. we've been trained in some cases to get worked up about these things. I'm going to say and this. Actually, you really convenient. don't care that much. You don't care that much. No, 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 they don't care. It was because I mean, we do know that it was never about the anthem and it was never about the flag. We wait. I'm sorry for for the people, the cheap seats for the people in the back. Sorry. I'm assuming that we've already established that fact. It wasn't about the anthem. It wasn't about the posture. It wasn't about the knee. It wasn't about none of that. So what about the flag? What about the military? It was about the cause being protested. It was about the fact that this is about black people demanding that we stop getting killed by agents of the state. 
That pissed people off. Full stop. Had nothing to do with the rest of that stuff. So I'm sorry, but I thought we all knew that, Mike. Thank you, thank you for reminding. Because everybody may have not gotta, come to that realization. You know, sometimes you got to remind people like where this really is and what the, what time it really is. You know what I'm saying? Everybody ain't got their watch set right. Um, call out, call, call but out. I, I do appreciate. I, but I do appreciate though. You know, Cuban just saying well, we're not doing it because let's put the statement back up. I mean, and, and we'll give Cuban. Um, you know, we, we're up, coming up on break. Gary, if you could put, because I thought the statement, it, it wasn't just your typical statement. It was like, look, we hear loudly the voices of, the, of those who feel the anthem does not represent them. Their voices need to be respected and heard. Our hope is that people will take the same passion that they have for this issue and keep that same energy, apply the same amount of energy to listen to those who feel differently from them. Bravo. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. As far as far as if this was about driving the conversation, mission accomplished. Uh, and I think the NBA, instead of uh, again, they're letting fans back in. You can put. I mean, you put Black Lives Matter on the court last in the bubble, right? Black Lives Matter was on the court. Right. I I I, I I've been lapsing on league pass. Is Black Lives Matter still on the court? I don't think I've seen it this year. I haven't seen it. But black lives still matter though, right? Just I'm just wondering. I would hope I so. Mean, I, I, may, I may have missed the memo whether or not there was a shelf life on the, on the <laughs> movement for black lives. I, 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 you know, I may, hope maybe they got some letters. I hope maybe so. they've been reading all these think pieces about ratings and whatnot and politics right. and you know, stick to sports. I don't know. I don't know. Um we got much more to damn. It's already 420. Oh my gosh! Names out of names damn. out on jerseys either. You don't you don't have uh you don't have uh you know the the names on you know equality or yeah you know educational reform. Yeah. You don't have that on jerseys anymore. Yeah. Now you just yeah. got names. We first when we first started this show. Remember, I was like, how the hell are we gonna talk for two hours? Now I'm like, man, we ain't got enough time. Oops, I didn't mean to say it out loud because I ain't trying to get nobody no ideas. <laughs> well, it's funny to mention that because the original format was a little different. But you know what? Oh, I know. Uh, you you brought up the NBA. We gotta have to talk some NBA because I I do remember getting a lecture from you just last week about a team that I do. Oh want to Lord, I was hoping you didn't notice. I was hoping you. Didn't oh, notice. I remember. <laughs> I remember. People like you, you said. People like you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Every single day, 
uh, of our lives and sacrifice the time in order to be average at anything. You know, I know you don't wake up. I know no one here on this call wakes up to be average at anything that they do. Uh, and we look very average, you know, and we have the talent that the eye test presents that we should be dominating. Uh, you know, we have the experience in, in terms of some of our guys that have been through certain things, circumstances to be able to battle through. And we're dealing with a lot of the reality that we're putting this together on the fly. Like we, we are the team that the NBA put the most games on. We're, we're the team that gets someone taken out during COVID, during the games. We're the team that has to deal with the refs. We're, we're the team that is literally battling against so many odds that at this point, it's, it's not even a reason to continue to comment on it. They are what they are. And as a warrior that I am and that the energy that I have alongside my teammates, we just have to turn that corner. And we haven't done it yet, but we will. And I'm telling you, the league's going to be on notice when that happens. So just got to take it day by day. Smith, you know, I, you know, I, my memory is not what it used to be. Got a lot of things going on, Mike. Got a lot of things going on. I'm trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good dad. You know, I got things. But was it last week? I, I think it may have been on a show called Brother from Another. Last it was week. All good just a week ago. I think it was somebody who spends a lot of time in your mirror. Somebody said to me, people like you, wagging finger, it was a very long wagging finger about the Brooklyn Nets and all these great stats and their offensive rating and, oh, wow, they do this and, oh, wow, look, look at James Harden and, and nobody has to uh, defer, nobody has to take away from their games and, oh, the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving said they're very, very average. Now, if he had stopped there, I would say, you know, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good assessment. But then we get the whole string of excuses. Now the NBA is out to get them. Everybody's out to get them. I mean, the officials that, are against them. That, that COVID thing from Friday night was crazy with KD. That was crazy. Okay, that was wow. crazy. Come on now. Like, all right, he's playing. But he's the not, schedule? He's in. He's, 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 he's always inconclusive. I mean, that was, come on. We're talking about the schedule now, Mike? The schedule? Mm. You got too many games against the uh, practice. The schedule. Yeah, and, and you know, we had to do this on the fly. Like, tell me something that the Brooklyn Nets have had to do that nobody else has had to deal with in these COVID times. Yeah. They do have talent. I agree with part of his statements. I agree with random parts of his statement. I think they have the talent. I think they have the experience. I don't think they have what it takes to be a championship team. They're not built to be a championship team. They're built to be an entertaining NBA team. You'll get your money's worth with Brooklyn on the court and off. They're entertaining on the court. They say stuff. They say stuff off the court. But I don't think they are connected. His, his hat said disconnected. I think their problem is that they're not connected. And I still need evidence that they respect and listen to and apply the insights of their rookie head coach. And he may not even be the man for the job. I don't know. I think he might be a good coach. He may not be a good coach for this team, Steve Nash. But I have no, I have no doubts. I don't think it's about. 
I have no doubts that they are not a championship team. I do know who a championship team is. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but I just kind of want to. I want to sit here and bathe. Wait, 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 wait. One second, one second. I just want to make sure I heard that right. I have no doubts that they are not a championship team. They're not a championship okay. team. Got it. They're not. Got it. Okay. Just want to make sure. I, okay. Got Will it. not so, win. And I figured that's what Will you not. were. And you've been consistent. You've been let, consistent. Let me say it even more. Since the can train. I, can I be even more definitive? Go ahead. More emphatic. What? More emphatic. Go ahead. Go for it. Double down. They're not coming because because one thing it could be like, all right, they're not a championship team. That means they lose in seven games to the Lakers in the NBA finals. They're not getting to the NBA finals. They will not get to the NBA finals and they'll be fortunate if they reach the conference finals. I see this team. Oh, I can see this team. I can can rebut. I can rebut the Nets, but I'm going to get I'm going to touch pass it back to you and I'm going to say, okay, who is who you like coming out of the East? Oh, I'm glad I'm not gonna rebut your Nets argument. I'm 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 gonna just ask you to continue on this track that you're on right now. And I maybe I'll come back to the Nets, but go ahead. Uh, with my my very only risky thing I'm going to say about the only uh, only risk involved with the Philadelphia 76ers in my take here is my very liberal use of Philadelphia slang, John. Don't do it. See that there. Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. I just put it. I just put it in the feed, but I'm not about to use it in the sentence. But I did. Okay, this John will win the East. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers. I, I like this team and not just because of their uh, Eastern Conference leading record Eastern Conference best record. This is what happens with uh, Doc Rivers teams. Especially in those early years, those first couple of years. Teams just buy like if you've never been coached by Doc Rivers, he just gets you to buy into him and he gets that buy in very quickly. And so that's one part of it. And then if you happen to have a great player, which Philadelphia does, that great player usually has some kind of mind meld with Doc Rivers and they take their already excellent game to another level. He has done that. Yeah, he, he did that in, in, in L.A. with the Clippers. They didn't win, but he did that when he first got there with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin uh, and DeAndre Jordan. They went to another level. They didn't get to the mm-hmm. ultimate level, but they went up. When he got to Boston, he got KG and, and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. They went Boom, to a championship two. level. They won it all. Yeah, he's doing that right now. Yeah. With Joel Embiid. I would love to know the story of the inside story because Embiid has always been a baller, as you said. What do you call him, the Punisher? I'm, he's always he's been, no longer the process. He's the Punisher now. Yeah, he's the Punisher, but he is punishing consistently, and it's just efficient. And he's got. He gets Embiid. He gets him. He gets him a night off when he needs it. He doesn't push him too much. He just understands that this team, how this team needs to operate. It's not, hey, Embiid is equal with with Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. No, this is Embiid is a centerpiece and everybody else kind of flows around and circulates around that satellite that is Embiid. I'm telling you, they have figured it out. They're a well-coached team. They're a well-constructed team. All of a sudden, this is the team that will win the East. The Philadelphia 76ers will win the Eastern Conference. Okay. As we sit here uh, at this moment, hard to argue with you. Uh, And I wouldn't argue with you if there was a legitimate argument because I agree with you about the Sixers. I, 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 
You're preaching to the converted when it comes to the Sixers. Uh, I've been waiting for this day, for the culmination and fulfillment. They haven't got a championship yet, but close. They look championship ready uh, of the process. Yeah. I do want to just say this one thing about the Nets. Everything you said is true. Okay. Everything you said is, I mean, well, not the predictions, but in terms of your observations. With the exception, I, I don't think this is a coaching thing. I don't think this is a schematic thing. Mm. Um, okay. No, 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 no. It's not. It, it, I, I think it's what Steve Nash talked about last night. I, I think it's as simple as effort. Now, let's be fair. I know we're not in the business of being fair. Sure, we are. We are. I'm not a small sample size. Well, no, I mean as, a, as an industry and as a, I mean, like hot takes by their nature are in the moment and not fair. They're emotional based on recency bias. No different than I, I went off the deep end when they beat the Clippers. I get it. I get you coming back and being like, see, I told you they were frauds because that's what they look like right now. And that speaks to that inconsistency. The, the, the defense, listen, listen at this. After losing to the Pistons, They've been outscored in the 13 games they played since trading for James Harden. They're the league's worst defense. They're 27th in defense this year, but it gets better or worse, depending on your perspective. Before trading for James Harden, they had a defensive rating of 109.3. That was 13th, and right now that would rank fifth, 109.3, defensive efficiency. Since the Harden trade, the defensive rating has been 119 which is 27th over the past month, and that will be 30th for the entire season. Those stats per cleaning the glass. So this just in, the defense is bad. Part of it is they're not a good defensive team. Uh, I'm enjoying But most of it, I think, Michael, and this is what they, this is what we saw glimpses of. We saw, Michael, you can't take away who they've beaten. They've beaten some good teams. They have. And they beat them with effort on defense. They're not going to be stoppers. They're not going to be an elite defensive team with effort. And I, I think what you've seen lately for whatever reason is lapses or general disregard or disinterest in effort on defense pride as Steve Nash talked about all I'll say about the Nets is this Mike. I'm not making excuses for them, and, it, and it's hard to see them coming out of the East. Yeah, you, you got no you can't make excuses right for them. Now. You know why you can't make excuses for them. There are no excuses because they've taken them all. They have taken them all. They yeah. have hoarded these. <laughs> all right, I can't create have, any new ones. They have I know. cleared I'll the shelves. The only thing excuses. I want to point out is that they played six games together. Those the big their big three has played six games together. That's the only thing. I mean, it's a small sample size. Yeah. And there's time for them to figure it out. All F all we we knew Michael. We and I don't want to. And what I want to stop doing. What I want to stop myself from doing. Okay. Is, is which is every week making grand proclamations on the net. I'll give you credit. You've been consistent. You've been consistent. You've been consistent yeah. that you don't believe in this team. So this isn't don't. a you thing. This is a me thing. I'm saying entertaining every week. Man. I'm not going to go. I'll, over sti- I'll stick by them. They're entertaining. Yeah. And you said that. You said that. You yes. said that. I am not going to go from one week saying, see, I told you so to. Yeah, you're right. They suck. I'm not going to do that. Okay. They need time to figure it out. Just like the Heatles did. Just like the Warriors did to some extent, and one thing we agreed on at the beginning was that there was gonna, this point was going to come. And this might even be the, this might not even be the low point. They were going to have to deal with adversity. How would they deal with it? What would be their nine and eight? And I'm referencing the Heat's record when they first got there. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Together, I'm right there What would you. be their nine and eight? Maybe it's now, maybe it's later. I don't know, but I'm not going to sit up here and declare what they are. I'll leave that to you, Mr. Hot Take. I'm not going to declare what they are, nor what they cannot be. When they've only played six games together. 
But that's fair. Good. Uh, I'll say this. And maybe they are who I'll they say are. This. Um, I've always, I've always been, uh, been amused by when, when people say it's trash talking. When they, when they, when it's like, oh, he's a big trash talker. But when, when they, what the person is saying is truth, it's not really trash if you're speaking the truth. It's not really a hot take, right? If that's just hit. I can tell you why. <laughs> if I can tell you why it's going to happen. All right. Uh-huh. Look at it this way. <clears throat> Defense shocking. Defense is the weakness right now of the Brooklyn Nets. Well, let's see. Who are the three best players? Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. The three best players right. in no particular order. Only and one of them I is a good defender. One out of those three guys, one could be a, one could one defend of them when he good. wants to. One is Ooh. a good defender. One is a good defender. That's one. Durant. Durant. That's it. The other one, Harden. Harden can defend when he wants to. He doesn't want when he to. he wants to, Harden can defend. <laughs> but he doesn't well, want to. Not often enough. <laughs> he doesn't they, want to. Against the good team, All right. he did. So, so he's a... Enough, well that, enough. That's one good defender. But let me, let me, let's go to the coaching staff. Because you say, hey, give me effort and all that stuff. Steve Nash. <laughs> what's he know about defense? Okay. All right, so now we're going to go... Okay, so now we're going to go back to Steve Nash as a player. All right, now you're going to no, tell me Steve well, Nash I'm looking, is overrated. I'm looking at the he coaching. He should be saying, a two-time Mike, MVP. <laughs> I'm going to the team. I know. Hey, well, we got Steve we Nash, got great Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, what's he know Mike about D'Antoni? <laughs> they never... Okay. Mike D'Antoni didn't that was a, teach him. That was an alley-oop to you. Right. Mike D'Antoni well, didn't teach fair. it. That's not fair. That's not Steve fair. Nash didn't play it. That's not fair. They don't value it. I mean... They don't value it. That's why this is not going to happen. Why, why would they? Why would Mike D'Antoni at this I, point? Well, let me ask you a question. Why would involved. he? Why would Mike D'Antoni, assistant coach? I got yeah. it. Why yeah. would he start yeah. to value defense at this point? He's like seventy years no, old, I, right? I, I mean, you can change, <laughs> but why would he? No, why not? No, I got you. I got you. I got you. Why would, no, why I, would Steve Nash? I think it's. I think it's. He's more, a Hall of Famer. I do think it's more he's personnel than personality. Why would yeah. he start to no, value defense? I got you. It's, it's 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 part personality, but I think I think it's it's personnel too. They need help. I don't know if it's the buyout market. I don't know how they, they need help. Um, I do want to touch oh, on one I, more can, NBA team before we go to break. Let me go one more. Let me get right. one more thought on that help though. Yeah, I'll tell you where that help is. The help is their help is in Cleveland, mm. because when you make this big trade, everybody's excited. Biggest biggest trade in NBA history, and and yeah. what they, they lost some really good players. Uh, in that deal. Now, one of them, Torian Prince, had a contract. They didn't like that contract. I got it. Good player. Uh, maybe contract a little too big. But Torian Prince, gone. Good player. Karis LeVert, gone. Jared Allen. Those are good players. That's where their help is. It's in Cleveland. Oh, right. And in Indianapolis. I got you. I got you. Okay. So, look. Um, I know you watch this game closely. I know you watch all NBA games closely. But I know you especially watch this other game closely because it was your backyard team. Um, I want to talk about the Jazz, which I haven't said since Donovan Mitchell Ever. and Jamal Murray were going at it last postseason. But, well, you know, last postseason. Or, and, and before that, not since 1996, 97, 98, whatever it was. Uh, so, um, I want to talk about the Jazz. Yeah. Best record in the NBA, 16 of 17. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is that dude. We knew that. Right. We, we didn't know it. We learned it last postseason. 
We learned it last postseason. I want to know, we came into this year feeling like it was a foregone conclusion that the Lakers were going to repeat, obviously win the West in the process. So, if we can't just stay in the moment, how impressed are you with the Jazz? How legit are the Jazz? How smooth are the Jazz? Um, And how much much noise can the Jazz make in the West? Because, I mean, let's, let's not forget... I mean, everybody pushed the Nuggets to the limit, but they really pushed the Nuggets to the limit last year. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a good group. And now they're, they're, they seem a little less reliant on Donovan Mitchell. He's still getting his, but they seem a little less reliant on Donovan Mitchell. Quinn Snyder's the coach of the month. Um, I like this group, man. And, and the last time yeah. I thought about him was when Shaq was trolling Donovan Mitchell for some strange reason. Um, maybe that was him playing Jedi Mind Tricks. But... This is a team. I, I, I can't. I guess it's like, well, what are you saying if you're not picking them to win the West? I can't. No, no, but, I, no, no. I, I get you. I see. You know, I, I, I like what you're you know, doing. I'm trying to, I, can't, I'm I like trying your to process. Take on them because, but but I don't know. I don't know what the take is because I mean, no, I know. Okay, saying that they can go deep in the playoffs or they're legit contenders. What does that even mean? It's like, oh, he's an MVP conversation. Was he an MVP or not? You know, which one is it? MVP or not? Like. It's still the Lakers world, but man, the Jazz, whether it's, yeah, I, I just, I'm feeling them. I'm, I'm picking up with the, I, I can hear Jimmy. That's not jazz yeah. music, but I'm, I'm feeling them. I'm feeling them. Yeah, you know. How much, did you, how much do you respect this group right now? I'm, I'm impressed, them, I, especially I after they got the to, Celtics last night. There's one thing you said. I tend to like my jazz on the avant-garde side rather than smooth. I don't like smooth jazz, but I do like the avant-garde, <laughs> that kind of. Uh-huh. Albert Eiler, Don Chair, that kind of freaky stuff, man. You know, Archie Shep, crazy. Give me, give me a little crazy. And this team, though, really, this is an original bunch. Uh, I like what they're doing. And this is what it, and I think I hear you saying this. And if you're not saying this, just push me back and say you're going too far. I think the Utah Jazz need, and I don't know if you can get this in the regular season, but I think you can. I think they need a three or four game stretch where they are challenged as much as a team can be challenged in the regular season. So let's say a three or four game stretch. They play in the West, so this can happen. All right. Uh, let's say they I play got, the I Lakers, they play the Nuggets. I, I got you, homie. Okay. I got you, homie. They play the Lakers, Nuggets, and Bucks. And let's say they, mm-hmm. they sweep those or they go two out of three. If they if they can pass, I need to see them pass a test beyond the sixteen out of seventeen, which is phenomenal. But will it, but will it matter? But will it matter? Yes. Will it, will it matter for you in the regular season? It will. Okay. Because yes. because mm-hmm. there are those who mm-hmm. say regular season no matter. It's their cute story. That's nice. Best record in regular season. That doesn't because it gives you some information. Time. It's not the definitive, but it gives you a little bit of info. Okay. So, so you wait, said you got that schedule wise. You right. Got that stretch. They, they bring in the buck. The Bucks come to town on Friday. The Bucks go to Salt Lake City on Friday. Mm-hmm. Your Sixers go to Salt Lake City on Monday. Oh, I like this. The Jazz are at the Clippers on Wednesday. Okay, we got a new there team. There it is. We were Rockets, a Rockets show. We might be a Jazz show now. Jazz at Clippers on Wednesday of next week. Jazz at Clippers again on Friday of next week. And on Wednesday, February 24th, Lakers at Jazz. I like it. Look, so, Mike. Between now and February 24th, they have the Bucks, they have the Sixers, the Clippers twice, and the Lakers. Between now and February 24th. Ooh, Clippers twice and the Lakers. So in this stretch, there you go. 
They don't have to go 5-0. I mean, that, that's, that's, un, that's just unreasonable. But you give me a nice, you give me a nice four and one, three, and even a three and two. You give me a three and two in that stretch, that's a major stretch against the best teams in the NBA and see how you match up. I, I do believe, I do believe in upsets. I think the Lakers are still the favorites, but they're not the favorite. They're not the kind of favorites. Based on what I've seen from the Jazz so far, they're not the kind of favorites where I say it doesn't matter who the Lakers play. They're just going to glide through the Western Conference. I don't believe that, especially if we, oh, if we see something from yeah, Utah in these for. five games. Yeah. Yeah, they can win it. All right. All right. Let's so take a break. Are we talking about a uh, Jazz? When we come back. Are we talking about a Jazz Sixers NBA Finals? Jazz Sixers? The Sixers going to be there. Is that what you... Is that... that okay. The Sixers so will be there. It doesn't matter who else is going to be there. Okay. Who's going to meet them? I'm still taking the Lakers. Still taking the Lakers. But it's good to be entertained in the meantime. It's good to be entertained in Sixers, the meantime. Sixers-Lakers would be a great NBA Finals. impressive final. stretch from Utah. It would. It would. That's old school. That's, that's Moses versus Kareem. Doc and Magic. Andrew Tony and Michael Cooper. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, Aaliyah Taylor uh, is Chad Wheeler's ex-girlfriend. And this morning, she spoke with CBS this morning. um, And bravely, bravely recalled... (laughs) her uh, near-death experience bravely recalled how Chad Wheeler uh, nearly killed her. And uh, Chad has since pleaded not guilty to domestic violence charges. Uh, Former Seahawks offensive lineman Chad Wheeler, hopefully former NFL offensive lineman Chad Wheeler. Uh, Just want to warn you, um, I guess I'm obligated to warn you that it's graphic. And I say I'm obligated to warn you that some of the images you're about to see are graphic. I say it that way because you need to see it. Right. You need to see what it looks like. You need to be shocked. You need to be horrified. Your stomach needs to turn. So here's a brief excerpt. Um, We can only play so much. Here's a brief excerpt of our interview with CBS News this morning. I still have to regularly get like my concussion checked. I have bolts and still on a still plate I'm gonna have forever in my arm I'm gonna have gonna have to deal with this the rest of my life that's the reality for 27 year old Aaliyah Taylor after she says she was attacked by her then boyfriend Chad Wheeler Taylor says the pair dated for six months with barely any arguments we were like best friends we did everything together I even introduced him to my family We would babysit my nephew together. But according to Taylor, that all changed on January 22nd, starting with a text from Wheeler that he'd shaved his head. He loved, just loved this long hair, um, refused to cut it. And it it surprised me and it worried me. 
I came home and Chad was trying to play it off as if he just kind of cut his hair. But then as time went on throughout the day, he started going downhill emotionally. Taylor later told police it was the beginning of a manic episode, adding she knew Wheeler suffered from bipolar disorder. Then, according to Taylor, Wheeler snapped into a dark place. And he, um, he stood up and he told me to bow down and asked him why and he didn't respond. He just told me to bow down again and I told him no and he, he immediately grabbed my neck and that's, um, that's when things began. Do you recall what happened after that? When he grabbed my neck, he, he threw me on the bed and um, I remember looking up at him and asking him, please stop, Chad, it's me. And um, I just immediately knew the look in his eyes, that was it. Uh, she went on to, uh, to say that she remembers getting up and running to the bathroom. He was standing by the bed, by the doorway, he was sipping a smoothie, and he said, wow, you're still alive. Um, mm. Watch the entire interview, it's about six minutes if you can. Um, she called 911 and says, please help me now, I'm going to die. Mm. This, was, this was the interesting, most interesting part. It was all, you know, most, I guess the part that stood out the most. <clears throat> she was asked whether or not she believes uh, his bipolar disorder or he was suffering from a mental health episode, how that contributed to uh, the attack, the attempted murder, quite frankly. Um, and she said, well, he went and ate dinner after doing this to me, and he didn't take the same approach with the cops as he did with me. So I don't know. Oh. And, 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 I, and when, we, when, we were, when we were unpacking this, Michael, when this first happened back on, on uh, well, it happened on January 27th. It didn't gain everybody's attention until I believe the following Monday or Tuesday. Sorry, it all runs together. Right. You and I <clears throat> attempted to, as best we could, while not absolving him at all, uh, at least be as understanding as we possibly could about whatever possible role mental health would have or his, his mental health would have played in this incident only because she introduced it right that's right see we were being respectful yes. of her because she yes. said that he had a manic episode so Absolutely. we were like okay wait what we don't know what happened here but as we know and as uh, we had a great conversation with Rochelle Carey anybody who knows anything about domestic violence and mental health knows those two things do not go together just because you may suffer from bipolar disorder does not make you prone to damn near killing your girlfriend. And I think right. what she said just now was important. A couple of things were important before I pass it to you. One, even though the cops, it took a couple of cops to subdue him and cuff him, he was apologizing to the cops. He knew how to control himself when it came to the cops. Mm. He knew how, he knew not to jump stupid with them. But when it came to the five, 760 pound woman, he exerted his power because that's what domestic violence is all about. Two, we talked about it earlier, keep that same energy. And why the NFL uh, has not made, I know he's not a star, I know it's not a daily story, but why they have not made a definitive declarative statement about his future or lack thereof in the NFL. I mean, again, maybe I missed it, man, I'm busy. Is he on yeah, the commissioner's I list? I know he's a backup offensive tackle. It. I know he's not on the team. Is he on the commissioner's list? Have they condemned this as force? I, so, I, listen, again, she needs to be centered here and God bless her as she tries to recover from this. And I'm so thankful that she spoke out about this 
today and told her story. She needs to be centered. This is not about men and double standard, but the NFL still has a job to do. Yes. Right. Yes, the NFL does have a job to do, Mike, and I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned it that way and, and talked about it because I remember that day when we, we were talking about it and initially the Seattle Seahawks put out a statement that wasn't worth the paper it was printed on or the internet that carried it. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. worth anything. Right. Remember that statement? Oh, well, you know, we are gathering, we are aware, we're gathering information. Don't do that. Don't do that thing. And I think that's part of the problem. Now, the Seattle Seahawks didn't create Chad Wheeler's problem. I'm not saying that. But I think part of, part of the issue is the way we discuss this. And I wish uh, I had the words to come up with a better description for domestic violence. Because domestic violence is not quite the picture. It's not quite the, the wordplay that we need. It's not a, it's not a descriptor. It does, it does talk sound about, delicate, yeah. Yeah, it Assault. doesn't talk about the yeah. violence and the fear yeah. and the terror yeah. that it that it 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 that it puts on its victims. So that's one of them. And then the other thing is the NFL. I know it's important. We talk to we have these symposiums where we talk to players about how to handle their money. That's important. We talk to players about uh, doing the right things and knowing how to stay out of uh, tough situations with people back home who may want something from you. It's a conditional relationship. Now you, you're a professional. You got different responsibilities. I got all that. That's important. But I think the most important thing is to introduce to NFL players and to men in general the misogyny misogyny of this and the violence of this and the patterns of where it comes from. If you find yourself in this situation, if you find yourself thinking that you want to uh, be violent uh, with, with a spouse or with a girlfriend, that you, that's, that's your signal right there to get yourself some help because it's not just a fleeting thing. That is a deep, that's a deep thing that comes from, comes from a place that you may not be aware of. And you gotta and you gotta address that. You gotta confront that. You gotta dismantle it. Yeah, yeah. It's a serious issue no uh, in our society. It's not a no football question. issue. It's not a sports issue. Uh, it is. A, it's an issue no for all of us in the United States. I'm so glad she spoke out. And as you said, we saw I those pictures. Those pictures are jarring, but we needed to see him. He he deserves. He he needs to get what he deserves from the legal system. From the NFL, and uh, she deserves our continued support. Her, she's she's got to put, put put together pieces. This isn't like oh today it's a story, tomorrow it's not. Like mm. that woman, he didn't kill her. He didn't succeed in killing her. But he tried. There's a part of her. Uh, well, he, tr he tried, but there's a part of her. My point is, there's a part of her that died that day. Um, that she's got to now pick up and move on without. So. And how about she said her, her, her nieces and nephews too? her nieces and nephews, just the, the yeah, pain man. that she could hear from them. Powerful, powerful yeah. testimony. Hey man, get your man's. Get your man's acting like Look at this. got no home training. 
I look, Tom. We know you accurate and everything. Come and on. And we know you touched six of these things before, but you can't be tossing the Lombardi from boat to boat at your boat parade in Tampa. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Well, what if somebody? What if? What if? What, was it Gronk? At least it's Gronk. I mean, was it Gronk yeah. that caught it? But, but then again, they, you, your boy Wilding. He Wilding. You don't want. You don't want Gronk. You don't want Gronk holding it because remember what he did to the uh, to the Lombardi. He put a dent in the Lombardi. I think number six or number five or number six. One of them. He put a dent in that thing. Yeah, that's a good time. Look, listen, man. Tom Tom Brady was wilding, and uh, I also I also understand we have. I, I think he might have been pretty. Uh, he yeah, yeah. Parted a little hard today. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God. I don't know who the person uh, is walking him to his next destination, but I need a Tom dude. Brady slurring press conference is what I need. Look at that. Look at oh, that. oh, dude. dude. <laughs> hey, that's, what that's was great. it? That's great. What were you drinking? I don't know. What? What'd you say? What's good? I always make fun of you for. Oh, because oh, I like what? my Hennessy and lemonade. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. faded. He is faded right now. That's not the TV yeah. 12 method. That is not the TV that 12 method. That ain't just right beer. Uh, that ain't beer. Oh my gosh. Good for him, man. <laughs> Good for him. Tossing the trophy. Can't take y'all nowhere. <laughs> then, I don't know if you saw Adrian Peterson. He's like, yo, I want a part of this. I love to see that. All day in TV in Tampa Bay. I love to see that, man. That'd be awesome. Nah, man. Nah, we're good. Piper. We good. Don't want to go to Tampa. Nah. We. Uh, look. I think uh, we good. We go. I, no, we good. We good. I, I think. I think that this thing, man. That wasn't just like a temp. That wasn't like some old team. It just got together. I know Brady is old. Yeah. But you look at that team. I think they're gonna be around the for a couple team. years. They're gonna be around. A lot of parades these days in Tampa. Favorite. A lot of victory celebrations in Tampa. I'm glad it wasn't the Rays though. <laughs> Not to hate. Tomorrow. I ain't hating. See you, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.